You're listening to the Wellness Warrior Podcast. This podcast is for those of you who want to improve your mindset, radically transform your health, and get back more time to pursue what matters most to you. I'll be interviewing some of the most successful individuals, professionals, doctors, and even just normal everyday people who are sharing the message of hope, health, and wholeness. They're going to be integrating their own holistic health principles in their own life, which means we're going to be talking about organic food, essential oils, sustainability, regenerative farming, clean food, plant medicines, all of this great stuff. And on top of that, I'm going to be sharing health tips, workout tips, motivation, inspiration, and how to do all of this in college nonetheless. So you're going to walk away with actionable steps that are going to help you to solve your problems. If any of this sounds interesting to you, you're going to want to listen to this podcast right now. Let's get started with today's episode. Today's guest is certified hypnotherapist Norman Flotkin, who helps people connect the dots in all areas of life to understand the programming of thought patterns, limiting beliefs, and non-serving habits that keep them stuck. As you'll definitely hear in our conversation today, Norman's mission is to help people expand their personal freedom by tapping into their innate power so they can fully live and love in the present moment. We'll dive deep into Norman's action-packed journey with cancer, discuss hypnotherapy and its many applications, get actionable advice about how to find your soul's purpose and path, learn how to live in love instead of fear, and so much more. Without further ado, Norman Plotkin. So Norman, before we get too deep into our conversation today, I like to first ask all of my guests, how do you define optimal health? Well, optimal health, it's a fairly subjective notion, but there are some things that are applicable across the boards. And that, it begins with keeping it simple. Mostly, uh, you know, our body is a, a powerful machine. And so caring for that machine, just like you would care for a a performance car. You wanna put the right fuel in it. You want to take it out and and, uh, put it through its paces every now and then. But mostly we have a world that is very uh, uh, intellectual now, that we live in the information age and, and we really need to care for our minds. We have a tendency to these days uh, bleed our power. And th- by that, I mean, we externalize everything. He said, she made me, the government, you know, and what we do is we just surrender our power, which makes us powerless or less powerful. And see the, see the power of the words? Mm-hmm. Less, full. Um, and power is at the basis of it. If we take responsibility for our own optimal health, and by that, I mean not surrendering to outside and external forces, but taking responsibility for the things that we eat, for the amount of time that we spend in front of the screen, for the amount of sleep that we get. For, you know, you see what I mean? So optimal health really starts with us. Uh, nobody can do it for us. And we'll get into this later. But some of the reasons why I went into hypnotherapy is because so many people are so quick to reach for a pill. They want chemical therapy. They want... They want it now, and they think, you know, I'll, and I can, I can, I can engage in this behavior that's destructive because I'll just take a pill later. You know, it's and maybe that's not that straightforward in their mind, but that's their subconscious programming. So, 
optimal health begins with us, with our attitude, and with um, with the desire to hold on to our power. Viktor Frankl, who is a famous psych psychiatrist who wrote a book called *Man's Search for Meaning*, he says that you know one of his famous quotes was, "Between stimulus and response is a space, and in that space lies our power, because we get to decide what kind of human being we want to be." Now, if we get reactionary and just blurt something out. Now we've surrendered our power to whoever provoked us, right? Or if we just impulsively go for that fast food, we've surrendered our power and, you know, and not taking charge of what we're putting into our body. So remember that space and it's where our power lies and it's where we get to choose who we want to be. Wow. That was fantastic. That might've been the most detailed answer. I know you started out saying you wanted it to be simple, but um, I'm definitely going to have to listen back to that because that was really good. And with the pills and everything, everybody wants the quick fix, right? It's not about what can I do to better my body? It's about what's this quick thing I can just take and heal up my symptoms right now. Um, and then I liked how you compared our bodies to a machine as well, because all this with medicine and technology, it's trying to overcome being human and be like we are the ultimate technology right the human body is the best technology out there we've got our immune systems it's it's the perfect thing right there it really is and um if you if, if you read uh dr deepak chopra's quantum healing he'll tell you in that book which he wrote 30 years ago which was amazing I mean, he's revised it now but um the the body has an intelligence the neurochemistry of the body and the organs in the body speak to each other in ways that we can't replicate in a laboratory. So we can, we can examine the neurochemistry of the body. We can go to the laboratory and synthesize a replication of that chemistry and feed it back to ourselves, but it doesn't have the intelligence of the organic uh, human uh, components. And as a result, there's inefficacy or side mm -hmm. effects, and it doesn't always work. And sometimes it, does, it goes in the opposite direction. So it really is the most amazing machine ever created. Right. Yeah, we just got to trust in nature. Nature's laid everything out perfectly for us. The further away we get, the worse off it seems we are. So I just want to kind of dive in and hear your story now. So for those that don't know, Norman is a certified clinical hypnotherapist who helps clients find natural solutions and answers to their life and their health issues. Um, but if I understand correctly, you weren't always on this path. Uh, you were actually a public policy consultant for many years, like 20 to 30 years, which is almost like the complete opposite end of the spectrum to what you're doing now. So I just want to hear what's your story and what led you down this path to where you are now? Well, uh, I didn't go to college right away. I went in the Marine Corps and then after the Marine Corps, I worked in the oil fields and a rock plant like Fred Flintstone making little rocks out of big rocks, uh, climbed telephone poles as a construction lineman and stuff. And, and then I, I had an event, my brother was killed in a car accident. It kind of woke me up as to, and my back started hurt a little bit now. So um, uh, I went to school and I was in a hurry. And I, uh, I did in three years what most people did, taken five, six and seven. I got my bachelor's degree at the same time I was doing speech and debate at student government. Uh, my junior year, my first semester when I transferred to the university, I had an internship in the state legislature and it just went from there. I went from clerk to consultant. I ran campaigns. Um, I you know, was a committee consultant for the health and insurance committees. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, and then I went to work lobbying for the medical association. I represented uh, 30,000 physicians in their professional organization in California and, you know, working on um, public policy around medicine and healthcare delivery and physicians and, and the politics of medicine. And then um, I left that and went out on my own and I, and I had my own lobbying firm for uh, about 14 years and um, I represented various clients and um, I love the strategy. I love the public policy, but the politics, it's, it's dirty and it's nasty. And, you know, it's just, I believe the, that environment made me sick. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't living my soul's purpose. I didn't know what my soul's purpose was. I, I, was, I was enamored with the glamor. Uh, you know, I had fast cars. <laughs> expensive suits and, uh, you know, all the thing, trappings that go along with a lobbyist. And, and, um, and so I got sick, I had cancer and I had papillary carcinoma. And so I, I had a radical thyroidectomy and lymph node resection and then a round of radiation. And I just wanted to get back to normal. What I didn't realize at the time was normal was what made me sick. You know, I drank heavily as, as a part of, you know, you know, these cocktail parties, you're at fundraisers all the time. As part of the job, you got to, you know, you got to play the game. And I, I drank and I ate rich food. I, you know, all the things that I started with about the optimal health, none of which, you know, and I would, I would do that. And then I would go play ice hockey at, at 11 o'clock at night, you know, and just go hundred miles an hour with my hair on fire and think I could just do, just go do that a couple of times a week without any exercise. And, and so, um, uh, within just a couple of months, with a few months, the next scan showed that it had come back and had another, had another round of radiation. And uh, that's, when, that's when it got my attention. That's when, you know, fear, I, I've known, I knew fear for the first time in my life. And I began to go inward. Um, I had a friend who got out of um, politics and opened a yoga studio. She took me through therapeutic yoga for cancer and taught me how to meditate. Oh, my, you know, the same mind, the same great mind that made me a, a good analyst and a lobbyist uh, was, you know, made me, it turned me into monkey mind when I was, you know, 10 o'clock at night when the doctors aren't there to answer questions and the walls start closing in on you. And of course, it's never just about the cancer. My, my marriage didn't survive that whole thing. The, the pressure on everything is just uh, without going into gory details, it just, it, the, you know, it's very difficult. It's not just the cancer. It, it impacts everybody in every aspect of your life. So, um, so I went inward and I began a seven, eight year spiritual journey of awakening. And, um, you know, as the saying goes, when the students ready, teachers appear. So I read Wayne Dyer, The Power of Intention. Carolyn Meese, Anatomy of the Spirit, Deepak Chopra's Quantum Healing, Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden. I mean, they just started stacking up. And I, I attended a Hay House conference in 2015. I saw Wayne Dyer speak. He was supposed to speak for an hour. He spoke for three at, you know, on Friday night at 10 o'clock and no one left and it was just riveting. And, um, and I began to live an intentional life and, and go into deep meditation about what is it I want? You know, you can read Eckhart Tolle's awakening to your essential purpose 10 times and still not know unless you go inward and ask the universe and ask your higher self, you know, what is my path? What am I supposed to be doing? What, what lights me up? And so I, in that journey, I was led to, 
I, I moved to LA from Sacramento for a little while and uh, lo and behold, there was a, the, the only national, nationally accredited college of hypnotherapy is in Los Angeles. And I was drawn there and I attended um, and uh, I, I learned it and I was fascinated by it, the power of the mind. You know, I had applied the power of my mind in my own cancer journey. And um, I had experienced leaking of power <laughs> and from the mind and, and, uh, and I, I didn't want to do that again. And I began, I also saw the effect of pills and, you know, modern medicines, allopathic medicines tendency to, uh, to prescribe chemical therapy um, and knew that that's not the direction I wanted to go in. And so here's this amazing ancient modality that uh, can be maligned at times because people don't understand it. And, you know, the simplest is often maligned because, you know, it, it, there's got to be more to it, right? Well, mm -hmm. no, there doesn't need to be more to it. it. It can be this simple. And I finished school. I had to straddle both worlds a little bit and still make money while you're breaking in, trying to become, uh, you know, a, a hypnotherapist with a viable uh, business, right? And then, and then the universe, you know, gave me a situation where, my parents both within a year of each other, they weren't together for many years, but within a year of each other, they had a stroke and both passed. And I was there, I was able to take care of my mom for the last year of her life. And I was able to take care of my dad for the last six months of his life. And I feel like I fulfilled a, a soul contract that you know they brought me in and I, I held their hands uh, on the way out. So I, it was very, very powerful. Um, and had I been that powerful lobbyist, self-important, you know, I never would have, I, I, that opportunity never would have. So. At any rate, uh, I was directed here, and now, and now I've, you know, six years into this, I, I am, I'm lifted by uh, my gifts and my opportunity to be a positive influence in people's lives in in a way that's um, uh, it's I tread lightly, you know. There's it's it's it helps them without imposing a lot. I listen a lot. I listen and I connect dots for them that they're too close to see. So anyway. Um, people, a lot of people say, wow, lobbyist to hypnotherapist. I, I just say, well, it's persuasion of a different sort. Absolutely. Geez, that's quite the story. Uh, I want to just backtrack a little bit. So when you were first um, diagnosed with this cancer, what was kind of going on through your head at the time? Because you weren't aware of any holistic modalities. Is that correct? You, I mean, you didn't really know that there were other options. So what was going on with that? Hook, line, and sinker for allopathic medicine. I, you know, I, I negotiated healthcare for myself and my family. I, I knew lots of doctors. I, I, I knew the system, and uh, I leaned into it. You know, I was, it's, it's, you know, so I saw uh, four different doctors before anyone said the word, the dreaded word. I at forty, at like forty-five, I had a precipitous. Uh, decrease in my energy level. I couldn't keep up playing ice hockey. And I, I didn't want to ride my mountain bike. And I, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, ah, oh, what is going on? I just, my doctor ran me through a bunch of tests and uh, you know, there was, there were clues that he picked up. He was very good, very good, very methodical doctor. He, he picked up these clues, you know, the brittle nails and the hair loss that wasn't male pattern baldness and the high cholesterol. And, you know, he, he put me on statins and they, and it didn't respond. And so um, so he sent me in for, uh, ultrasound of my neck area and they, and said, you know, and said, you have a nodule and then they measured it every three months for two years. 
And when it got to the prescribed size, they sent me to an endocrinologist. The endocrinologist sent me to a, a pathologist who was a fine needle aspiration, who sent me to back to the endocrinologist who sent me to a surgeon. And it was the surgeon who needed informed consent to cut out my organ, who first told me that I had cancer. And I'm like, you know, you're back on your heels, right? And he's got a resident with him in tow. And she's like, Tuesday. I'm like, whoa, Tuesday. Okay, I, I get that there's a sense of urgency. I, because I, you know, it, it happens really fast. And they want to cut my organ out. Tuesday. <laughs> and, so, and so first you, you know, bravado. I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to, you know, we got, got a good doctor. I've got good medical care. You know, we're going to, we're going to fight it and win. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it's harsh. I mean, I cut my thyroid out. The doctor was really good. He put it in the crease of my neck. You can't even tell. It'd be the big scar. Anyway, cut my, cut my thyroid out and five lymph nodes. And, and the recovery was tough because then now I don't have a thyroid and it controls everything. And they don't put you on thyroid medicine, medicine right away because they want to scan you to make sure they got it all. Cause they got a bunch of lymph nodes as well as the thyroid. And so I had, to, I'm not you know, you're going really slow, like a record on the wrong speed. And, um, and so then they scanned me and then um, they, they did nuclear ablation. So I took a pill, an iodine pill that was, I had I-131 uh, radiation embedded in it. And the doctor comes in and he's got a lead pipe with a lid on it. And he sets it down and says, don't open it until I leave the room. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, all right. He leaves the room and I open it up and eat the pill, right? And so, and then I got to go be in a hotel room for three days with no maid service and no one can be around me. I waved to my kids outside the window, you know, when they came and visited. Um, and I could just see the fear on their faces. And so, you know, when you first, you just... I, I got this. And then when the scan, and then, you know, I, I had a martini one time, you know, and it, I had a, a terrible reaction. I couldn't process the alcohol and it, I, I just felt just terrible. And, and I tried to go back to being normal, right? And it just didn't work. And so then the next scan showed that it had come back and I had to have another round of radiation. And, that, and that's when you know, that's when I went inward. That's when I began to seek out other other modalities, other voices, other ways to, to look at this. It, if I had it to do over again now, I would not have let them take my thyroid. Absolutely not. I would not let them cut my organ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the medical system like really fails when it comes to offering patients hope and other options to like serious illnesses, like all this chronic disease now too, cancer. And it's, it's like, it's a my way or the highway type situation uh, in these institutions. Um, it's, it's, they're, they're the high, they're the high, uh, they're the high uh, uh, outcome therapies that, that they've been taught, right? Cut, mm -hmm. burn and poison. Right. There's economic incentive. The oncological drugs are, there's a, they, there's a big economic incentive. You know, they missed the point in quantum healing. Deepak Chopra says, this is not some foreign alien part invading your body. This is your body. This, these are your cells. And to treat them as alien and foreign and burn and cut and poison them, it's harsh. And a lot of people die from the chemo and mm -hmm. the radiation. So... Yeah, no, absolutely. I had a um, friend who battled cancer a few years ago. And when she was first diagnosed, the doctors told her, 
you know, you do chemo and radiation with us, or we'll let you live your last year happy. Like that's your choice. Um, and so she started chemo and she was conformed to her bed chair for like four months. Um, but by the grace of God or whatever luck she had, she was introduced to a holistic chiropractor who started adjusting her. He helped her eliminate toxins and especially the toxins from the chemo and radiation and all the pills she was taking, got her diet and mindset right. Um, and with a few, within like a few months from that, she was just up walking. She was literally leading Zumba classes and you would never have known that she was just like finishing up this radiation treatment. Um, and I mean, she's been cancer free ever since then. And that's just the power of the mind, body and spirit, right? If we just remove all that interference and let the body do its thing, it'll work miracles. Right. Absolutely. You know, self-talk is super important and your, your spirit uh, is, is an integral part of, you know, let's, I mean, we can dissect it for a moment. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about dis-ease. <laughs> we have a, an onslaught of environmental toxins on us, but a, a healthy immune system will resist. We all have mutations. We all have cancer in us. We have mutations. And whether those mutations run away and replicate uh, or, or are dealt with depends on how we come at it. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the uh, current situation now, I mean, our bodies are filled with millions and just so much viruses and bacteria. Um, and I, we don't need to get into that at all. But. I know. Do you know, do you know <laughs> that at any moment there are, 30, there are 10 to the 31 power virus around you? Not- I didn't, not- but I, I'm totally, be- I mean, yeah. I believe it. That's just our body. That's what our bodies are made of. Dr. Zach Bush is a good, mm-hmm. is a good reference. Any, anyone who wants to um, uh, dive in and do some of their own kind of investigation from a person who's has the heart, a heart of gold and as, uh, you know, well-placed, he used to be a cancer researcher <laughs> and he, you know, he had an eye-opening experience too. So check out Dr. Zach Bush. Absolutely. I totally second that. I mean, he's like a triple board certified doing all the work with uh, farming, the farmer's footprint and getting our food system all back in order. We, we've we've uh, polluted our biosphere mm-hmm. and the, the proliferation of bio uh, of petrochemicals and industrialized farming. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's easy to see that, you know, the disease state of, of humans, along with the sad, the standard American diet, uh, you know, sugar permeates everything and mm-hmm. fat and sugar. And so anyway, and chemicals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the petrochemicals, they spray, you know, tons and tons of petrochemicals. Uh, you know, the funny thing is that, you know, some people who wouldn't eat general genetically modified corn are lining up to get a genetically modified vaccination. I'm like, hey, okay. So anyway, mm-hmm. don't want to get too controversial. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I hear you though. Um, so I guess we'll kind of uh, switch topics a little bit here because you hinted at this actually in one of your earlier answers which was finding your soul's purpose and figuring out like what the heck you want to do uh, in this lifetime and I a lot of my audience are young adults maybe in like college or doing they didn't go to college just trying to figure out what they want to do um, and I know at least for me there's a lot of real estate in my mind dedicated to like figuring out what does my future hold and like what path should I take uh, is college right for me should I do health coaching i chiropractic seems cool maybe that's what I want to do um so there's just so much confusion distraction out there so my question is what advice do you have for someone who's trying to find their purpose and their path in their life it's um it's a challenge uh I thought I knew I I mean I thought I was very invested in my identity as a lobbyist 
I was very invested in that. And I love the public policy and I grew up with great reverence for this country. But it, you know, I don't know if time changed or I changed or you know, the universe has changed, but here's how I eventually did find a path that is in alignment with my soul's purpose. It requires you to be quiet and still. You see, prayer is when you talk to God or whatever your concept of a divine being is. And meditation is when you listen for answers. And so learning to meditate was the first step in finding my soul's purpose. And so every morning I'm quiet and still. I listen. Sometimes, you know, I, I learned the hard way with breath. But now YouTube has a proliferation of, of tracks that are tones, binaural beats, uh, I, I have one that's a, a, my personal favorite. It's Native American flute and drums with a fire crackling in the background. And all oh, it yeah. does is it gives you it gives you something to wrap your kind of head around while you're quiet and still. Thoughts will still come and you don't get upset. You just said, I knew you were coming and I dismiss you. And you come back to being quiet and still. And, and things will come. Information will come. You'll connect with your higher self. We all have a higher self. And we're bombarded with by family and friends and society, be a doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, you know, you know what I mean? It's like um, entertainers and sports and all these things are really attractive and all the bling and all the money. And we're just, uh, what, what really, what really is helpful is to begin every day with at least 10 minutes of being quiet and still. Just gather your thoughts. Dr. Joe Dispenza, chiropractor, he went, he had, Dr. Joe actually went to HMI College of Hypnotherapy, you know, 15 wow. years before I did, before I became a chiropractor, commensurate with being a chiropractor, I'm not sure. Anyway, you know, um, he'll tell you that uh, change is hard, that in any, any day, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts and 90% of them are the same that they were yesterday. And if I ask you, well, why do you do that? And you say, well, 10 years ago, this happened to me. Well, you don't remember exactly what happened. In fact, you would recount the details incorrectly. What you remember is how it made you feel. You had a feeling which created an emotion which imprinted in your body and is tied in your memory, how you felt. And now, you're living a predictable future based on that unreliable past, which is robbing you of your precious present moment. So he says, well, why wait until you have cancer or a breakup or get fired or a job loss or, or a pandemic? Why wait for something like that to make change? And so making change begins with going inward, being quiet and still and connecting with your higher self. I do a vision board. I just did a vision board. Do a vision board. Sit and think about the things that you really want. And then print pictures of it up on your computer and write them. I'm going to, oh my gosh, you want to see it? Yeah, let's see it. Oh, wow. Look at that. I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty details, but there's Norm's 2021 vision. Yeah. So... You know the best way to predict the future? Create it. You got it. And how do you create it? By being intentional, by sitting and being quiet and still. And if you got to go back to the drawing board a couple of times, that's okay. Be kind to yourself. 
navigate, it, you know, sit. There's like some of the woo-woo, you know, they do muscle testing and stuff. I have a lot of woo-woo friends, you know, that, and I, I have crystals and I, I've just found my, I just got back from Sedona. I spent Christmas in Sedona. Wow. Really, really cool. So my advice, my advice is be quiet and still meditate every morning for 10 minutes. Be intentional. Ask yourself, what do I want? Keep a journal, make notes. It sounds too simple to be true, but it's, this is what worked for me. And I continue to do it. And I, I manifested uh, you know, a partner. I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm growing my business. I'm, I'm all the things that I want. I tell the universe what I want. It's the law of attraction. You have to see yourself having it. You got to tell the universe what you want. It can't give it to you unless you want it. If you, unless you express it. So, and, and don't just blurt out, you know, you know what I mean? Don't, don't let the influence of society and your parents or your friends overwhelm you and overtake you, you know, ask yourself these serious questions and be quiet and still. And um, there's a great simple little ebook called The Magic Question. Check it out. Um, it's called The Magic Questions on Amazon. It's like seven bucks. And it talks, to, it's very simple. It talks about how the subconscious mind is loves games. You know, this whole thing about neuroplasticity used to be thought that we only had X number of brain cells. But now we understand that we keep growing. We can grow new neural pathways, epi, uh, epidemic, uh, epigenetics. We can create new genetic pathways and, and new neural pathways. And, and so the, this, this book, The Magic Question, it's, it's all about give the little game, make, make it a game for your subconscious mind. Write down the four things that you'd really like to have happen and do it in the form of a question. What simple ste steps can I take to be my best? And then just paste it like on the mirror where you brush your teeth in the morning or one on your closet before you get you know, dressed in the morning. No more than four. And, and don't try and solve it. You just let, pass it by, see it, and be giving it to your subconscious mind to be solving. Another thing is I keep a journal by my bedside right before I go to sleep. Write down, write down some things. And that your subconscious mind during the dream state will be working on it. Mm -hmm. So these yeah. are some practical things that you can do. Yeah, I love that. And don't, I think um, it's just like a lot of famous people or people who like really made it. They always say that a lot of the best things come to them, like in their sleep, just because they've had these questions and their subconscious just works on them when you're sleeping. That's so true. It's, it's so true. And the other thing is like, there are other meditative states, like washing dishes or folding laundry. You can be quiet and still and be kind of in contemplation. And so it's a kind of a meditative state you get in you get in, you know, theta wave maybe. And, um, and these are other times when uh, things can come to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Just if we just all listen, right? Listen to our hearts and we'll, the answers are all there, right? Don't listen to the television. <laughs> that is great advice right there. Um, so I'm also curious, do you have like a why or an intention um, that you kind of live by as well? Because I know on the other end of the token, there's like listeners who maybe have picked a path and they aren't seeing results super quick or like they feel like they made the wrong decision, especially with my generation when we've got social media and that instant satisfaction. I'll just post this picture and get a million likes and I'll feel so good. And there's all this external validation that we can get super, super quick. Um, and so when things don't come, as we expect them, we can kind of fall off track. 
Um, but I think having like a why or motivation can help. So I'm just wondering if you have any advice um, for others who need help staying disciplined and if you have your own why. Sure. Uh, my, my new path, my soul's purpose journey began when I read Wayne Dyer's The Power of Intention. My intention is to be into the service of others. You see, and it's a big, it's a big one. Uh, and it gave me room to navigate the how. The why is be in service of others. So instead of serving politicians and corporations, now I serve people. Mm-hmm. And each, each client that walks out my door with a smile on her face and better than they came in, my, heart's, my heart soars. There's no better, there's no, there's no greater feeling than when you've helped someone. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I have an intention post around, I guess mine might be a little more selfish. (laughs) It's not, (laughs) it's like serving others, which is definitely one of my priorities, but it's just saying that uh, I'm living in abundance every day so that I have no regrets on my deathbed. And I have that posted uh, on my bedside table, on my wall, just so that I almost like my subconscious sees that every time. It's not necessarily a problem it needs to think about, but just the constant uh, reminder. Have no regrets about that, or nor nor should you see it as selfish. Abundance has many forms. It doesn't necessarily need money. Money, um, you know. I I, I want to live in abundance um, because when I'm abundant, I have so much more to give. Right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, get back to hypnotherapy then. Um, I think like a lot of topics in the holistic health or alternative field, um, you know, when people hear hypno or hypnosis. Uh, they think it's a bunch of like woo-woo stuff or the people on stage who are like, uh, you know, follow my watch and um, I'll make you go to sleep or forget who you are. Um, so just as we're shifting into this new area of discussion, um, can you talk about what hypnotherapy really is or maybe more importantly, what it isn't? Hypnosis is Greek for sleep, but it's not sleep. It's a trance. And it's been used by every healer time immemorial, all indigenous medicine people. Some use plant-based medicine. Some just use the trance by itself. Trance has been used by humans forever. It's a deep relaxation with focused concentration. It's as simple as it is. The, uh, it's much like the dream world. Because your subconscious mind, when I put someone in, there are three There are three levels of hypnosis. There's hypnoidal. Everyone goes into hypnoidal hypnosis. If you've been driving home from work and end up in the driveway and don't remember the trip, you were in hypnoidal hypnosis. Advertisers know that. That's why radio drive time is expensive. Um, and, uh, or you're watching a movie or you're in, in, in a great book and you're just in it. That's hypnosis, that's hypnoidal hypnosis. Catalepsy is a little deeper. Catalepsy is like when you're dreaming, if if you ever wake up your hands and feet are kind of numb, that's catalepsy. It's so that you don't hurt someone or yourself when you're slaying a dragon in your dreams. True. So that's where I do most of my work is catalepsy. And then there's somnambulism, which is uh, the deepest state of hypnosis. And it is, uh, characterized oftentimes by amnesia. They don't remember it. 
some people are natural somnambulists and they walk around being highly suggestible to everything around them. They'll buy everything that's, you know. And so at any rate, so those are the three levels. There's a great um, resource called the Human Givens Project out of the UK. And they've done a bunch of research and uh, they, they talk about uh, trance, you know, you being in, in REM when you're in vitro. So when you're in the womb and you're getting a download, you know, we get all kinds of information. If you study Jung and archetypes and, you know, uh, the, the collective consciousness and, uh, you know, we, we tap in, we're energy and we're all connected and we get a download from our mom and we're in REM when we're in vitro. And it's very much like hypnosis and in dream world is much like hypnosis. So when you're asleep and you're dreaming and you're in REM, it's, it's the subconscious mind venting and actively dealing and processing with the input from the day. So that hypnosis is the trance, it's the state, it's deep relaxation with focused concentration. It's not a loss of control. Hypnotherapy is when a trained hypnotherapist uses hypnosis to help you overcome your subconscious programming. And so it, it, whether it's blocking you or, um, or enhancing or you know some kind of modification. And I've done hypnotherapy with people, for everything from stuttering, weight loss, smoking, there's behavioral stuff. There's, I've had people with fibromyalgia who, you know, they, they internalize, they, there's a, there's a body of medicine called psychosomatic medicine. And it's when we somatize our emotions into our body and we can have a physical response. You know, it's it, in the seventies, eighties, it got kind of a bad name. Oh, you're just a psychosomatic, you know, it's all in your head. Well, it can be. And, and if it becomes a case like that, then hypnotherapy is a good way to address it. And you go back in time and you, and to the, the, there's usually always an event or events that happened that created this behavior. And what we do is we have these defense mechanisms. We create behavior to address a threat. And the threat could be long gone, but the subconscious mind is fearful of experiencing that pain again. So it holds on to the behavior. We all know people who hold on to their behavior, their stories. They hold on to their stories and right. white knuckles. You know, oh, see them posting about their diverticulitis on Facebook. You know, it's like because they get something, they get a secondary gain. They get sympathy or empathy or the, hey, look at me. Or, you know, so they, it becomes their story. And then they tell people about it and they get, you know, they get something out of it. And so why would you let it go? Right. So they take a pill that masks it, that nothing ever goes anywhere. So at any rate. The hypnotherapy is when we explore the subconscious experience, connect dots between an experience and the behavior and kind of lift that out or, you know, lift a block. Like you have a, people were born with their parents saying, well, money doesn't grow on trees. And so, or money's the root of all evil. And so they've never been able to have a good relationship with money or performance. You know, do you know that um, when athletes describe being in the zone, that's that's hypnosis mm -hmm. they're in the zone that's a trance yeah actually when i studied i played golf for a few years and i had a um uh, i forget what he was called like a mindset coach basically uh -huh. and he yeah. would have me visualize and feel the feelings of 
hitting like the hole in one or not something like more realistic, but like getting all par is going under par um, and feeling what that is like in every single day before the big tournament so that I could, because my body would think it already happened. You know, your thoughts create your reality, right? Tiger used hypnosis and many have, many have boxers use it. So um, it's, it's, it's a super powerful modality, but it's, it's deceptively simple. And that's why people, people want to make things more complicated than they are. And that's why they like, and then of course you've got stage hypnosis when people get up and cluck like chickens. Some of them go to sleep, you know, is it true? Yeah, it's true. It's, it's a demonstration of how powerful this is. It doesn't work on everybody that's up on stage. You see them seven of the 10 go to sleep. Three of them are dismissed, you know? And so um, they, but they agreed to do that. They agreed to come up on stage and do something that might be for entertainment's sake. And they don't know what they did, but it's a powerful demonstration. I'm very uncomfortable by all of that. I don't like it, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. I, I have friends and colleagues who are stage hypnotists and it's entertainment. Me, I, I like, you see, I extinguished after I got sick and I left that whole politics and everything. I extinguished most of my ego, but the, the little bit I have left is I want to help you. I want to help you in as few sessions as possible. And that's what, dri- that's what drives me. That's, that's kind of the finer point of my why, you know, being in service to others. The finer point of that why is I want to help you. I want to get down. And I have people, they have these aha moments like, oh, why didn't I see that? I'm saying, you're too close. Like, I'm, there's nothing magic here. I just see a lot of people and there's some common things among people, right? And mm-hmm. so you had this experience and it lodged in your memory and you do, the feelings are lodged in your body. And you develop behavior to cope with it or to manage it. And you're holding on to the behavior, even though the threat is gone. And so, so um, super powerful, ancient, super simple. You got to believe though. So there's three things required for a hypnotic trance. Um, The first is authority. I went to HMI College of Hypnotherapy. I got you're not here in my office. I've got my certificates on the wall. Mm-hmm. Then there's a doctrine or a paradigm. I learned about hypnosis and hypnotherapy. That's the doctrine or paradigm. And then you have to feel something. Well, at the very least, least you're going to feel exceedingly relaxed. And therein lies the hypnotic modality. So let's, let me give you an example of a couple of others that you may not think of, but are no less a hypnotic modality. How about this one? Lab coat and stethoscope. The medical books in medical school. You feel something when you go to the doctor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty nervous. Not, yeah. Not a good place to get your blood pressure checked. Or maybe mm-hmm. you got good news and you're excited. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a hypnotic modality. Mm. All right? So when I worked for the medical association, the doctors, when we had a big fight on our hands in the legislature, they would march on the Capitol in their lab coats. Right. Huh. It's all it's all theater, right? Yeah. So, So... So doc, uh, the authority is they're wearing the coat and they got the stethoscope and the doctor in paradigm is the medical school they went to and you feel something when you go to the doctor. How about this one? Uh, the collar and the book and pick pick a book. It could be any number of the Quran, mm-hmm. the, the Bible, the Torah. Right. And do you feel something when you go to church? Mm-hmm. Many people do. They sing and they, you know, right? So hypnotic modality. Uh, let's do one closer to home or more recent anyway. Doctors Fauci and Burks, 
epidemiology and virology. Mm -hmm. Do you feel something? Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of scared people. There is mass hypnosis going on right now. Mm -hmm. Mass hypnosis. That's what so, the uh, TV is—a little hypnosis box. <laughs> hypnosis box over and over and over. Repetitive. I mean, the the news. You know, it's fear. So mm -hmm. the other thing, the other thing, one of the other guiding things, it hits two chords that you asked me about. One is my why, and the other is advice to younger people trying to find their their why. Um, uh, oh, now I'm having a senior moment. Oh, Course in Miracles. It's a three-volume set. It's very, very voluminous. You know, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. Okay. Love is your birthright. It resides in your heart space. Fear is its opposite. You cannot be in love and fear at the same time. In any moment throughout the day, ask yourself, am I coming from a place of love or fear? All positive emotions are experienced when you're in love, and all negative emotions are experienced when you're in fear. Fear is how people control you. That's, you know, they show you the news and then they show you a commercial and want you to buy the product that was shown to you right after the news, right? So um, stay in a place of love. I, I coach my clients to come up with a, an icon, an image, something that represents love to you, a red heart, a red rose, a peace sign, whatever, your dog. I, your puppy, I, like whatever it is to you that represents love, have that picture in your mind and at any point, just put it right here in your heart and just let it bloom. And you're in a love place. You won't argue. You won't get on social media and blah. You won't, you won't care about the bully. You won't care about, you'll rise to a higher vibration. Mm -hmm. So I, several times throughout the day, I do a check-in. Am I coming from a place of love or fear? And so most conditions that people come to see me for, hypnotherapy, it's come about because they've been in fear, a fear state and they've been in fight or flight, all right? So we, we know about the autonomic nervous system, fight or flight, it's an evolutionary process. And back in the day, saber tooth tiger, we either grabbed a stick and fought or we ran. And so what happens is uh, adrenaline is dumped into our bloodstream and it's pushed out to our arms and legs from our internals and our organs so that we can run or fight. Now what's happening is in modern society, we don't run and we don't fight. So now we have all this adrenalized blood in our extremities and nowhere to do, nothing to do with it. And that's why we become, we become anxious. Mm -hmm. Now we have anxiety. And what does medicine say? Here, take this pill. Well, why don't you just deep breathe and reset your autonomic nervous system? <laughs> exactly. Right? So, um, so, you know, most people that I deal with, they're either living in the past and they're depressed or they're living in the future and they're anxious about it. And so I teach meditation and mindfulness and presence. But anyway, back to hypnosis and hypnotherapy. It's, um, it's a very simple modality. It doesn't hurt. There's no side effects. You have to good change. I know you have to believe and you have to lean into it. That's, that's all that's asked of you to do it, to make it work for you. Yeah, I, I love that. And so when you were mentioning these different kinds of um, or different levels of hypnosis, is meditation almost like self-hypnosis in a sense, where you're just putting yourself in that state to 
whatever your purpose is for meditation, overcome trauma or just get closer to yourself, is that a form of hypnosis? All hypnosis is self-hypnosis. I'm just a facilitator. And meditation is a trance-like state. People who come to me and who are meditators, they go right into hypnosis. Yeah. And, but most people have monkey mind. That amygdala, that primitive part of their mind and, uh, is just triggered and all the time. And, and you know, they can't, they can't, like, I tell you, do like an etch-a-sketch. You know the etch-a-sketch? You shake it and then before you doodle again, just think of your mind. Think of meditation as shaking the etch-a-sketch and clearing it. And before you start doodling again, just let it be blank for a minute. Right. Just slow down. That's what we all really need. Um, so uh, you mentioned this before as well about rewriting your story. And that's one of the reasons that I'm like so intrigued by hypnotherapy, hypnotherapy is because I understand like that power that rewriting your story can have on your life. Um, like a few years ago, I was 40 pounds overweight. I had chronic allergies, zero self-confidence. And I was like, not a happy kid in my late childhood. Um, but once I kind of got on my own journey and I realized like I have this story and all these negative thoughts that I just keep on telling myself, like, where did those actually come from? Are those really true? Like, and once I started to shift and I, like, I was writing affirmations and just saying all these positive things to myself um, and learning to be open to new possibilities, that's when my life started to change. So like, I absolutely understand like your thoughts, what you think is what comes out into the world. It's, it's just that inner work that you always have to do to see those results in the real world. Self-talk is super important because you're listening. Every cell in your body is listening. Mm-hmm. And um, we re- and, and it's go- it goes back to that power thing. Don't leak your power. Mm-hmm. You are you're you're powerful. And so, but we get caught up in our story, and we hang on to it, and we forget that we can write a new story. And so I coach on that as well. And that's what it, you know. That I I ask them, well, what do you want to achieve? I ask my clients, what do you want to achieve? Why do you want to achieve it? I also give them homework for long-term clients. They get homework. What do you want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do to get it? This is part of the power of intention. I have them take several categories in their life, relationships, career, family, uh, finances, and um, uh, uh, I have them write down within each category, uh, what do you want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do to get it? And so back to that power of intention, like the vision board, now we begin to write a new story. It's so, and when it happens, it's like, oh my gosh, wow. Like, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Why are, you so, why are you so surprised? Right. And that's why I love the title of your book, Master Your Mind, or your latest book, at least, is Master Your Mind, Master Your Life. Um, because I mean, that by itself is just such sage wisdom. It, like that's, that's all you need to know is just take control of your thoughts. And I mean, you're, you're set. Um, Cause every problem we have, it really starts up here, whether we realize it or not. Uh, everything outside of us is just a distraction and another object for us to place blame almost just, that's not my fault. Some, you know, government created that it's the weather today, uh, whatever it is, it just takes away all our responsibility. And like you have said many times, it takes away our power. 
So, uh, you know, the seven hermetic principles are a, a great uh, place to, to um, understand the world, the seven hermetic principles. And we won't go into them now, but uh, just as a reference. And then uh, Occam's razor, you know, the simplest explanation is always the best. We, we, as humans, we try and overcomplicate things. Uh, my favorite diagram, you can look it up. Look up a Rube Goldberg. A Rube Goldberg is a contraption <laughs> that is just, it's very human that we just, you know, we just build these contraptions, right? It just, and because we want to overcomplicate things. So um, keeping it simple, being intentional, you know, these are super powerful things. And it begins, so one of the, one of the hermetic principles is everything is mental. And we create, we, we create our worlds, but that, see that, that gives us too much power to think that we can create our own world. Then we'd have to be responsible for it, right? So that's, mm -hmm. that's one of the impediments. But if you, if you, um, if you refuse to allow an impediment, uh, my, you know, my first book was Take Charge of Your Cancer, The Seven Proven Steps to Healing and Recovery. And it really is applicable to life, not just cancer. But the, the, seven, the seven steps, um, I'll just go over them quickly. We don't have to go too deep here, but uh, radically change your diet. You know, we're poisoning ourselves. Uh, deepen your spirituality. No matter what path you take, the only path to success is through the divine. And having realizing that we're all little drops of God, whatever that concept means to you. And we're all connected by that. And having a spiritual practice and presence is going to heighten your awareness of that connection to each of your human brothers and sisters. Uh, meditation and self-talk. Getting control of that self-talk and learning to meditate and go within is going to be super powerful. Um, releasing your repressed emotions. You know, when I, I ask people, have you experienced trauma? They're like, well, I don't know. I'm like, listen. You don't have to see somebody die to be traumatized. It could be a bitter disappointment. It could be, you know, all kinds of things can traumatize us, especially when we're young. And so making a list of what, you know, might have been traumatizing to us and then going through and trying to resolve that and let go of it is really important. Um, the subconscious mind, obviously, communing with the subconscious mind through self-hypnosis or hypnotherapy is really powerful because that's the pathway to release those repressed emotions. That's the pathway to make cha these changes, right? Whether it's deepening your spirituality or radically changing your diet. Then to take charge. That's the whole notion of the book. Take charge of your cancer, but take charge of your life. Captain, my captain, right? So no one's got as much skin in your game as you do. So really being your own captain is super important, whether you have cancer or whether you're just trying to navigate this thing we call life, right? And then finally, have a reason to live. Don't just not want to die. You know, back to Viktor Frankl and the uh, man's search for meaning. If, you know, not wanting to die is a fear-based uh, emotion or response. And, and when you're in fear, we've already discussed fear is it's not a good place. That's where disease begins. And so having a reason to live for, you know, plant a garden, raise a child, write a book, or just love life, you know, whatever your reason is, have a reason. So those, those seven things I wanted, I needed to write that book to share my cancer experience. I, you know, Mastermind, Master Life was the first book I wanted to write, but I had to get that cancer thing out of the way. Right. Mastermind, Master Life is when I, when I went to college for hypnotherapy, I'm like, wow, what, why don't we know this? Why don't we know this stuff? It's so simple. Mm -hmm. Why isn't it 
more widely known. And so, you know, we've all seen movies from Orson Welles in 1947, Black Magic, to, to um, uh, what was the most recent one? Get Out, where they, she tinkles the teacup. And I had a lot of people freaked out about the hypnotherapy after that, that movie. They take just a little bit of truth and then build this whole stupid story around it. And, you know, you, I can't hypnotize you by tinkling a spoon in a teacup, right? So if you saw that movie, he was out smoking, he comes in and the girlfriend's mom says, you know, I'm a psychiatrist, I can help you stop. He, and he said, no, nah, I'm all right. Right there, broke the therapy, there's no therapeutic leverage, right? At that mm -hmm. point when he says, no, nah, I'm all right, she can't hypnotize him. And you know, going into a sunken place, you know, it's just, anyway. So I wanted to misspell some of the misconceptions. I don't use a pocket watch. Mm -hmm. Although I'll tell you that that is eye fascination and it's one way to induce a trance. It's an induction. I could use crystals sometimes. I have some focus on a flame. There's all, there's all kinds of ways, but that's, you know, that's left over from the, you know, television and movies and, and stuff. And so there are many different ways in, uh, but so, there are four. There are four aspects to mastermind, master life. Um, what is it? What you know? The, the history of hypnosis from the 1700s when you had Franz Mesmer. You've heard mesmerized. Well, he would. He he called it magnetism, and there was this whole thing. And there was a big scientific investigation in the 18th century, and Benjamin Franklin was on the committee reviewing, and it just all this drama, right? And and over time. Uh, you know, medicine's done it's even crazier stuff like bleeding people and blowing smoke up dark places. And like, you know, the history of medicine, has, it's only the last 100 years that, uh, but at any rate, um, so what's the history of it? Back to indigenous peoples and shaman and medicine men and women and, you know, what the history is. And then, uh, you know, what is it? You know, what exactly is going on when, uh, when you're in trance or in state? And then, what does science say? I don't go like I give just enough science to to satisfy those who need some science, but not so much that it's going to bore you to tears. Right. So there's, you know, some scientific some references to some studies. Dr. David Spiegel out of Stanford has some amazing stuff going on. And now they have functional MRIs. It used to be only anecdotal. Right. Well, I'm better because I feel better. And the hypnotherapist says or the hypnotist says, listen to my client. They said they feel better. And evidence based medicine says, well, this is subjective and anecdotal. We need proof. How can we, can it be replicated and proven and experimented? Well, now we have functional MRIs and other uh, technological ways to measure. And now they know that the executive function is, is um, influenced. And, you know, that part of our mind that makes us embarrassed is, is kind of set aside. And that's why people do funny things. And so, now there's a scientific explanation for what's going on. We know there are processes in the brain that um, are affected when we go into trance. And so I won't bother you with the gobbledygook. It's in the book. And so uh, the history, what is it? What does science say about it? And the fourth thing is, how can you apply it in your life? And so I give examples of uh, people who've used it. Man, I mean, tons of celebrities to stop smoking, to lose weight, Tiger Woods, other golfers, Jack Nicholas, I think. Uh, uh, boxers, one boxer, uh, George Foreman, or somebody used it, and then and then and then beat the other boxer, and then the other boxer used, it, and then it's like, you know. So um, there's a ton of people throughout history who have used hypnosis and hypnotherapy to better themselves, or to achieve a goal, or to overcome a block. So um, 
you know, uh, so there's plenty of testimonials and, and its applications. So, so those are the four elements of mastermind, master life. And I, you know, if really I didn't want to uh, name it something about hypnosis or hypnotherapy, because then it gets lumped in to all that other stuff. It really is, if you don't say the word and don't bring in all of the old baggage that comes with it, then it was my way to introduce it uh, with to people when, when their dupes aren't up, you know? <laughs> Right. And that's the beauty out of it. If you, you don't need to say the word because these principles, like your seven steps in your first book and your, you got these four areas that you're talking about in your next book, they, like, you wouldn't even have to mention cancer in your first book. And I like, that's, that's all you need. Like those seven steps fit for your career, your relationships, um, cancer, your health, your physical health. Like that's how simple it is. And that's the beauty of it. That's that's all you need. One little framework to uh, live by and it <laughs> seemingly solves all your problems, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cancer was the, the avenue to the door, but it is it is applicable. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you back to the why on, on Thanksgiving morning, I was getting ready to have family over and make a big deal. And I, I got an email from a guy out of the blue. He read my book and he he just got a fifth month uh, holiday from chemo five months in a row he hasn't had to have chemo his doctor calls him an outlier and he credits my book on uh, my son who's 17 now he was when he was 14 he saw a five-star review of the book on Amazon and it was from a woman who had bought it for her mom who had breast cancer and she had read it and she was very grateful and, and so my son screenshot that and sent it to me and I said you know, if one person is better because they read the book, then uh, the whole cancer experience was worth it. It sounds odd now. I wanted to call the book The Unwrapped Gift, but um, my, my publisher said, you know, people who are in the middle of cancer probably aren't thinking it's a gift. I'm like, yeah, okay. So the take charge part was, you know, but it is, it is what it is. And as you suggest, you can take charge of your life and any different aspect of your life by applying these seven principles. Yeah, that is, yeah, so true. So switching gears a little bit, just as we wrap up, I just want to talk about mindset a little more. I guess that's not even switching gears because that's kind of the whole central theme of today's talk. Um, but I think it's the thing that's hurting us the most right now with the situation that we all find ourselves in. Uh, you turn on the near the news it's all fear hopelessness we're getting into anger and all this negative energy now too um i had a guest last week who did energy medicine and so we talked about how energy is just literally everything energy and vibrations that's what we are um and right now a lot of people are stuck in just this bad energy for the last 10 months and so do you have any tips or tricks to just stay calm and centered and filter out all of this garbage like at this time i mean what's worked for you to stay grounded and all that's happening well i'm i'm gonna go back to something we've already covered because it's so powerful and it's the course in miracles love is your birthright when you bring love into your heart space you can't be angry you can't be triggered you, you rise above this so so let's talk so because we already covered that let me kind of give an oblique response um we are moving I'm going to get a little woo. We are moving, but there's some science to the woo. So uh, bear with me. We are moving from the epic of Pisces. 
which was characterized by duality and masculinity and conflict and materialism. And we're moving into Aquarius, which is feminine and cooperation and energy. So we're moving from Newtonian mechanics to the quantum field, from materialism to energy. And that's why people are like, so they're not, so they're not really used to dealing with, you know, modern medicine is based on cell, tissue, organ system, right? This is materialism. All our whole world was material. It was about the <clears throat> from the enlightenment forward. It's all about the component pieces, and the atom was the basis. We have surpassed now we're subatomic with quarks, neutrinos. Now we're looking at now we're looking at and doing experiments to see if matter has the same dual nature that light has, right? Does it, is it a wave and a particle? So when they did an experiment to see if matter uh, was a particle, it acted like a particle. When they did an experiment to see if it was a wave, it acted like a wave giving rise to what's called the observer effect, that we have the ability to influence matter. And now, now when science used to reject the spirituality, now science is coming back toward a, a, the understanding that there's something spiritual, there's a connection that we're all connected and we have this, these amazing powers to affect matter because we are all energy. And back to the seven hermetic principles, energy, frequency, vibration, it's all in there, check it mm -hmm. out. We have the ability. So what we need to be thinking about right now, love, compassion, cooperation, collaboration in our heart center. And when you're there, all that noise goes away. You, no one can touch you from that. I'm like, I don't, I'm not even interested in it anymore. It's like, you know, the person uh, is like, you're going from watching Jerry Springer show to not, no TV at all, you know? You know what I mean? And that's what we got. We got some big, that World Wrestling Federation drama going on in front of, in front of all of us. And the third, the third dimension, right? So we're going from height, width, depth, the third, the three dimensions to the fourth dimension adds time and the fifth dimension adds energy. So in this moment, the 3D is the material chit show, right? And now we're moving into higher frequencies, higher vibration, the fifth dimension adding energy. And so energetically, if you keep love in your heart, you see, love energy is God energy, and we all have it, and we forget. And that's when we succumb to all that nonsense, that noise. We just have to bring ourselves back to love in our heart space, higher energy, higher frequency, and not be pulled into play. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I wish we had more time to dive into all that because that stuff that's is my, just... That's my next book. Yeah. Oh, really? It's be called, yeah, it's going to be called The Compass, and it's going to be about that transition from, from material to energy, and especially for men who need to build their emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And women, too. Look at women politicians. They, they try and outman the men. They don't, run on, they don't run on their gifts and strengths as a woman of creativity and collaboration and compassion. They try and be more manly than the men. So we all need to, in this coming age, a tip for success as we transition out of this. It's like, it's really a plate tectonic sub, you know, subduction going on right now as we transition. And transitions are messy. Coming through this transition, emotional intelligence, love in your heart space, 
retaining your power. Simple as that, right? <laughs> awesome. I love that. So as we uh, wrap up here, is there anywhere that you want to point the listeners to? I'll definitely already have all the links to your your past books. And maybe uh, once you get your new book out, I'll throw that in here too. And we could probably have you back on and talk about that because I'm so interested in that. Uh, yeah. But where can we find out more or where can the listeners connect with you? Morganplotkin.com is my uh, website. There's a ton of information there, my mission, my vision, my books, links to my books. And uh, I'm on Facebook. Norman Plotkin Inc. is my um, is my business Facebook. I've got Insta, Norman Plotkin. Uh, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm my brand. So you can find me by my name and uh, reach out. I love to talk to people. Um, I give free consultations. So we do Zoom, you know, so I've done hypnotherapy with people all over the world. And Zoom is a, a fantastic platform uh, and very effective uh, in terms of hypnosis, hypnotherapy, uh, and doing consultations, you know, and learning more about it. Perfect. All right. So my last question that I also ask all my guests, um, you've already given, given so much valuable information, but if there was just one piece of actionable advice or a tip or a habit a practice or a book to read, maybe someone you follow, anything across the board, what's one thing that you want to leave the audience with today? Well, I've, I've covered the most important things, but I, I would say the thing that changed my life, Wayne Dyer's, the book, The Power of Intention, or, and Carolyn Mises, the power, uh, Carolyn Mises, M-Y-S-S, Carolyn Mises, uh, Anatomy of the Spirit. Those, read those two books, it will change your life. Alrighty, that's fantastic. So that's going to wrap up the show then. And thank you so much for coming on, Norman. It was seriously an absolute blessing. And I'm really grateful to have spent this time with you. My pleasure. And here it's 1111 uh, as we wrap this up. So I appreciate the opportunity. Look forward to speaking with you again. Absolutely. So this has been your host, Jacob Keneally. Hello, wellness warriors. You've made it to the end of the episode, which is extremely rare in today's society of digital distraction. I know we're all super busy creating our optimal lives, so I'm so grateful that you spent this time with me and my guest today. If you'd like to connect with me, please reach out on my website, jacobcanealy.com. And if you found something of value, I'd highly, highly appreciate it if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps so much to get the word out there. And you can find that at the very bottom of all my episodes. You just click the button that says tap to rate and do a review. That would seriously mean the world to me. Until next time, stay well, stay healthy, and thrive.